Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed those moments of worship together. We're going to sing together a little bit more after we're done with the sermon this morning, but we're going to continue in our study of Matthew's gospel today by jumping right in where we left off last week in Matthew 12. So if you have your Bibles near you, you can turn there. You can still do it in your jammies, and so it isn't a huge ask, but I love having the text in front of me as a preacher walks through it. It keeps us all sharp. And so I'd encourage you to grab a copy of the text now if you can. I'm going to be really brief today. I know you tire of hearing preachers say that only to be exposed time and time again to their bold-faced deceit. But the text today says that our words matter and that they will matter for eternity. And so I assure you that my promise is steady and sure. Also, I have sat where you are sitting over the last couple of weeks and I've tried to keep my kids engaged through an entire online service and so I feel your pain. And so we're gonna keep this as brief as we can. I hope to be done while still some of the fruit of the spirit remains in your home and at some point before all of your living room walls have been colored in by your kids. Okay, let's go. Matthew 12, 33. Before we read the text today, I wanna set it in its context just a little bit. We could get dangerously confused by the words of Jesus, uh, the ones that we're gonna look at in our allocated verses today. Jesus isn't speaking these words directly to us, though they do speak to us in some profound ways. And that's the tension that we're gonna need to hold. Uh, Jesus is in a prolonged back and forth with the Pharisees, and it isn't going all that well. They had accused him and his disciples of defiling the Sabbath. Um, he had corrected them in their understanding of the law and in God's true offer of rest. They had then accused Jesus of being a demon. And in so doing, he had told them that they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit as the Spirit continually affirms the identity of the divine Son. That Jesus had warned them starkly that they will never be forgiven for that sin. And so it's in that context the back and forth between Jesus and the Pharisees that he says these words. And so he says them directly to a group of people, but we can glean from the things that he says to them. So what does he say from verse 33? It says, either make the, good, make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now, friends, that is an alarming, sobering text from Jesus. What, what is going on here? Well, throughout the scriptures, we see God being almost endlessly patient with struggling sinners who are doing their best to honor him, but failing often in their pursuit. In the person of Jesus, we see him tender-hearted, gentle, and patient with 
outsiders, with sinners, with wrestlers, with scrappers, with doubters. Just a couple of weeks ago, Andre taught us through the text that spoke of Jesus' gentleness with bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. He is so, so patient with sinners. But what we also see throughout the scriptures, and especially in the life of Jesus, is that he is not as patient with people who are committed to a life of religious hypocrisy. Brokenness, frailty, weakness, even rebellion seem to be no obstacle to his abundant mercy. But hypocrisy, self-righteousness, self-sufficiency, pretense, these are things that seem to grieve the heart of Jesus deeply and he responds strongly towards them whenever he sees them. And so this, friends, this religious hypocrisy is again what we see him addressing when he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. Those are some of the strongest words you could ever possibly use. And he asks them, how can you speak good when you are evil? My friends, Jesus uses very interesting verbiage in his confrontation here with the Pharisees. He he uses an, an, an often used metaphor of trees and fruit. And usually when the scripture speaks of trees and fruits, it has a a purely consequential connection. Good tree equals good fruit, bad tree equals bad fruit. But here Jesus uses the verb make. What he's saying is you're trying to have a a good tree with bad fruit or a bad tree with good fruit. You've got to make the one like the other. You can't pretend or cover up the gap that exists between those two things. He's addressing the disconnect between the public utterances of the Pharisees and the private lives of the Pharisees. I love what scholar Leon Morris said. He said, the pious professions of those who oppose Jesus could not hide the fruit in their lives. Fruit of hatred, intolerance, injustice, and the like. Jesus is saying there's a huge gap between your pious professions and your actual lives, your your private lives, what's going on in your heart. And because of that, you're in deep, deep trouble. You see, Jesus had been addressing the words of the Pharisees, which by the way, was a currency they traded in. They were men of words. Their words mattered to them and to others. They were teachers, orators, and they had been using their words to try to discredit Jesus and his ministry. But now Jesus is going a level deeper and saying, well, what do you expect from their words if their lives are absolutely rotten? This is why he calls them a brood of vipers. He says they're a dangerous and deadly group of deceivers. When he uses this term elsewhere in the gospel, in the gospels, what he does is he goes on to dismantle their hypocrisy. You you say one thing, but you live another way. Your, Your public life looks one way, but your private devotion is totally, totally different. He points out the staggering gaps between how they live and what they say. And he says, now in this moment, it's been revealed when you actually call the son of man a demon, now your words are starting to to lay up to how you actually live and what you actually believe. So, So let's just understand this. He says, how can you speak good when you are evil? 
How do you expect anything good to come out of the mouths of the Pharisees when inside of their souls they are wicked? And so, friends, that's the context into which Jesus says these things. And so we could, if this was just a Bible study, very easily close there with a hearty, get them, Jesus, get those stupid Pharisees. And we could feel really good about ourselves as we go about our day. Um, We could continue in social distancing in our sweatpants all day with our hearts full of the thought of, oh, I'm glad I'm not like one of those stupid, wretched, viper Pharisees. But Jesus He uses his rebuke of the Pharisees to also teach us a couple of really important principles about words and how they work and about how powerful they are. Listen, friends, if you are a believer, he is not referring to you as the brood of vipers. He is not saying you are the one who has committed the unforgivable sin of spirit blasphemy. You're not in that group. But we can and must still learn from the way that he rebukes the Pharisees. He does it in the hearing of other people. We may not be them, but we certainly can act like them at times. I know I certainly can be pharisaical in my own hypocrisy and in my own inability to live out the things I claim to believe. And so very briefly today, here are two principles about words that Jesus teaches to the Pharisees and his other hearers so that we can lean in and pay attention to them and learn from them today. The two principles are this. Words reveal reality. They reveal reality. Secondly, words resonate in eternity according to Jesus. You see, friends, the scriptures teach us that words are very important and very powerful things. Uh, The Bible tells us that time and time again, so does our life experience. Um, uh, This line I'm taking straight from Jeff Mangum, um, who's also preaching a sermon today, but he says your words can be like a sword or like healing medicine. You can use your words to promote, to praise, to encourage and to bless and tell people that you love them or you can, uh, your words can be used like poison. They can be abusive, cursing people, lying, tearing people down. They're powerful things. There's power in our words, the scriptures tell us. Proverbs 15, 4 says, gentle words bring life and health and a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 16, 24 says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Proverbs 18.4 says a person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a babbling brook. Uh, Proverbs 11.9 says evil words destroy one's friends. And wise discernment rescues the godly. Proverbs 15.1 says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words stir up anger. I've experienced the power of this in my own life. See, I grew up in South Africa and I loved uh, playing sports, like actual sports, um, the ones that that I grew up playing. And a lot of my peer group um, that I grew up around were um, Afrikaans. Now, Afrikaans people uh, originate um, from the Netherlands. And so they are of Dutch origin. That means they are usually tall and big. I am not. I've lived my whole life pretty darn close to the ground, uncomfortably close to the ground, in fact. But I have learned a way to compete with people much bigger than myself. That's my mouth. 
You see, I learned to talk smack and I was and still am excellent at it. I played wicket keeper on our cricket team, which is the equivalent of being um, the catcher in baseball, but just um, tougher. Um, and, and so that guy gets in the face of the batsman in front of him all the time and just talks smack in his ear. And, and I learned to adopt that persona. I learned the way to protect myself was to break other people down. I figured out how to make big men feel small. And it's hugely, hugely effective when you can do it well. I'm only learning now through sanctification how to use the same power to make small and defeated people feel big and brave. Words are powerful. Proverbs 18.21 tells us simply that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so Jesus was warning the Pharisees of this. He's saying, guys, what you say matters. And here's the first observation he was making to them that he was teaching them. He was saying, your, your words are powerful because they reveal reality. Uh, look again at what he says. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Jesus is teaching them and us that one of the reasons that words are so powerful is that they come from somewhere and they reveal to us the nature of where they come from. Whenever I open my mouth to speak in Texas, people go, wait, where are you from? You're from somewhere else. And what gives that away, I suppose, is, is my accent. It, it shows uh, straight away that I'm from somewhere else. Well, truth be told, all of our words reveal that we come from somewhere because all of our words have an origin. You, you see, the power of human words isn't that they create reality so much as they reveal a reality that is already there. They give away their origin when they are uttered. And so what kind of realities of ourselves do our words reveal? Well, well, Jesus exposes a few in the lives of the Pharisees here. He says that it exposes the reality of our hearts which in the case of the Pharisees were full of wickedness. Even though they had tried to cover that with words of godliness, their words eventually exposed them when they called Jesus a demon. Uh, here is part of what this means for us today. When we speak in a sinful manner, and I'm assuming we do from time to time, that isn't somehow a separated act from our inner reality. It is actually a revealing of that inner reality. We like to say when we, when we say things we regret, we like to say, oh, I misspoke or, oh, I, I didn't think or, oh, I was in the heat of the moment or, oh, I was under a lot of pressure. Those things may all be true, but it doesn't change the fact that when we speak, we are actually revealing something that comes from within us. And so those circumstances around us may have driven that out of us, but it was in us there in the first place. That's why it manifested in words. So when we are cussing out and anger, it reveals that there is a deep anger and aggression within us. 
when we gossip and slander, it reveals that there is a deep insecurity within us that needs to belittle other people. When we lie, it reveals a state of our hearts. It reveals what is really going in, uh, going on within us. Our words reveal the reality of our hearts. Friends, if that is true, if our hearts are revealed through our words, then what are we currently revealing to the world and to those around us about the state of our hearts? especially in a season when we feel under stress and under pressure, when there's lots of things going on within us, which results in lots of words coming out from us that wouldn't usually manifest. Um, we get squeezed and our hearts pump out these things that we didn't know were there. What are we currently reflecting? Pay attention to it. What is the state of your heart? Examine your words and you'll be able to know. Secondly, they reveal the reality of our hope. Jesus says that our words come out of our treasure. Now, I'm stealing multiple lines from other preachers today. It's just what we do. We just don't normally give credit. But Tyler David has a sermon that he's preaching uh, today, and he's got a line in there that's so good. He says, your words aren't just words. They are windows into what you treasure most. Now, friends, if my words, spoken, unspoken, written on social media, uh, were to be audited, what treasure would be revealed? What would I see, be seen to be hoping in? If people just paid attention just to your words, the ones on record and the ones not, where would they say your hope lies? Would you be someone who has a treasure of hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ and in the certainty of heaven and in the certainty of the kingdom of God and, uh, and in the guidance and kindness of the Holy Spirit and the fruit that it produces? Or would you be seen to someone who hopes in politics or in wealth or in your own independence or in getting your own way? What, what are your words revealing about your hopes? And thirdly, our words reveal the reality of our hypocrisy. <laughs> James used some of Jesus' same imagery in his warnings about the power and danger of the tongue, especially in James chapter 3. I'd encourage you to, to read it later in this week. He says, a spring can't produce salt and fresh water. And then he says, a fig tree can't grow olives. Now, I've always thought that that's one of the saddest verses in the Bible because olives are, olives are fantastic and figs are not. But James says our tongues and the words they utter reveal, expose, bring to light the extent of our disjointed lives. Look at what he says in James 3 verse 9. He says, with it, that's our tongue uh, pronouncing words, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. When I read that from James, I go, oh, because my words reveal my hypocrisy time and time again. I can bless our Lord and Father and with the same mouth, in the same sentences almost, in the same conversations, I can curse people who are made in the image and likeness of the God who I claim to love with my whole heart. Right, friends, words are revelatory. They reveal our reality, our inner workings, what's really going on in our hearts, with our, with our hopes, even in our hypocrisy. 
the key for us in this season of shaping shouldn't just be then to be more careful with our words. Do you see that? That the, the, the pragmatic takeaway from the sermon could easily be, man, you're right, I gotta watch my words. No, 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 rather the actual gospel-driven takeaway from this is we need to assess what the actual state of our inner life is and we need to use our words for the clues they are giving us for what is actually going on, what is being revealed in our inner life by our external words. And so the takeaway today should be, yes, I do want to change the way I speak, but in order for that to happen, I have to change what's going on in my heart because it's out of the abundance of my heart that the mouth speaks. And so friends, it would be a good exercise today to ask someone who hears your words regularly what your words currently are showing them about how you are doing. If you have someone or some people with you in your house, then ask them. Uh, Otherwise, call someone close to you after this and ask them, ask them, do my words reveal the hope and faith that I claim to have in God in this season or my words revealing just fear and control and insecurity? Uh, Do my words reveal love and tenderness to those around me in this season? Or my words revealing a self-obsession and an increasing bitterness and a distractedness and a grumpiness with those around me? I have learned that there's some danger signs in my communication, in my words, and my, my friends recognize these, my wife knows these all too well. My danger signs of an unhealthy inner life will be silence. My words just dry up. Uh, I stop speaking to the people closest to me, um, which is a way of withholding affection, which is dark and twisted. Why would you do that to the people closest to you? Because you're under stress. Surely that's the point at which you need to manifest uh, that, that weakness to them and, and invite them in, but I don't. Sarcasm, this is a telltale sign for me, cynicism. Shortness of words, just being really, really short with my words. I've done this so many times with my kids in in this season of being quarantined at home. The people I love most, if they're looking at my words to understand the state of my heart, they'll go like, dad seems mad with us. Why? I'm short in my words and it's revealing what's going on in my inner life. Friends, ask some people, ask them what they observe. You'll learn some stuff and then you can take that stuff to your Lord and he'll forgive you and start to work afresh on that inner life which will transform the words that come out of your mouth. The second observation though is this, words also resonate in eternity. They don't just reveal what's going on, they actually resonate in the life that is to come. Look at this warning from Jesus, it's so sobering in verse 36. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now, if you're anything like me, you read that and go, oh, I'm in big, big trouble. Uh, the, the word there for careless, you're going to be held to account for every careless words means words without thought, words that aren't measured before they are uttered. I've spoken a few of those today even. Jesus says, oh, those are all seen. 
whether they spoken out loud, whether they shouted across a social media platform, whether they muttered under your breath, they are seen and recorded and will be played back on the day of judgment. Oh my goodness. I want us to feel just a little bit of that weight on our shoulders for a second. That thoughtless words, maybe even whispered, they are heard and recorded for eternity. Your words matter, but, or and. This statement from Jesus, if we've been paying attention to our Christian tradition, should have us scratching our heads a little bit and asking, but aren't we saved by grace on that judgment day? And the answer to that is a resounding Yes. And so what is happening in this warning here from Jesus? Well, the scriptures teach us that we will all stand before the judgment seat on that day. All of us, believers and unbelievers. And a book with records of all of our sin will be open. It's going to be a big book in my case. And that book will contain all of the thoughtless words that were spoken from our mouths and all of the sinful deeds that we have done. What a sobering thought. Man, that makes us nervous. And Revelation 20 tells us that another book will be opened at the same time. The book of life. And here is the key. Here is the key, Christian. If your name is in that book, then that overrules any of the other things in the other book. Your thoughtless words will be recorded for eternity, but listen, they will be shouted down and muted out and altogether overruled by the considered, measured, bought and paid for declaration of our good King Jesus who will bellow over the record, they are mine. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy your rest. And so friends, while we deserve to be condemned by our own words, we will be justified by the words of our King. And that is better by far. Your words matter, but they are nowhere near as powerful as the word that comes from the mouth of King Jesus. And so in this season, friends, of extreme stress for most of us. Watch your words. But more than that, watch what your words say about your heart and listen for the words of your Savior who tells you that he loves you, that he has saved you, and that he will never leave you or forsake you. Listen to his words because they matter way more than any of our own. Friends, I'm praying that God would transform our hearts and that out of the abundance of those transformed hearts, our mouths may begin to speak words of life and faith and hope and love. Don't just try to fix the words. Follow the words back to what they're teaching you about your heart and then take them to Jesus and listen to what he says to you and about you because that's what matters most. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Your word is eternal. You have revealed to us through the scriptures, through the life and the work of your son, 
what is true about the world, what is true about us, what is true for all eternity. We cling to your word. And in your word, Father, you warn us to watch our words and to trace them back and to see what they say about our hearts. Father, I confess that I'm convicted then that in my words, even in this last week, in this stressful season, I've revealed some areas of my heart that are untouched by you, that I've kept back in fear and in doubt and in insecurity. Forgive me, Father. I do not want to be like one of the Pharisees. Father, I want to grow good fruit, and I want that for our people. But that good fruit will only grow out of a good tree. And so I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would meet with all of our people in their homes and that you would speak a new word to them and that they would believe you, that they would turn to you. I pray for repentance in our people, that they would sit with others and say, well, what are you hearing in my words and what do you think that reveals about my heart? And that they wouldn't be defensive, rather they would be repentant and that they would get to enjoy your grace. I pray that we would see a revival outpouring of the Holy Spirit in homes even now while we can't gather. Please, God, do it. Keep us humble. Keep us honest. Keep us thoughtful. Keep us kind. Keep us dependent. I cannot wait to hear the words of my King Jesus spoken over me, overruling all of the thoughtless words that I have said. In the meanwhile, Father, I pray that I would cling to your word, that I would trust you, and that you would begin to transform my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.